Welcome to the Movement Church in Orange County, California. We believe that today's message will inspire you, challenge you, and raise your faith that God is up to something big in your life. Let's jump into today's message. Oh man, it's so good to have you here with us. And to those of you that are tuning in online, we're so stoked to have you tuning in. Those of you that are in the family room, got to see some of the babies in there with their parents. Thankfully, the parents stayed. They just didn't just drop off their babies, but the Ulates are back there with their brand new babies. So cool. I got a couple things I want to share, but I just, the band's already gone, but you guys, that, that song was nasty. Can we give it up for our band? That was an amazing song. I'm going to have you do that of service as we dismiss, so prepare. Souls. I, I just got to. Sorry, Justin. If I need to, y'all pray for me. I've had this cough since December eighth, so and I preached three times. Testing. There we go. Can you hear me now? Good. Um, I preached like three times yesterday, so that didn't help. I got to take all this off. Hey, if you're new to our church, uh, we're not a perfect church. Welcome. There's a lot of great churches that are uh, much more perfect than we are and better at unplugging this thing than Gurley. So <laughs> welcome her husband, Pastor Scott. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Also, a scale of 1 to 10, there's a 100% chance this vest is coming off today too. So uh, <laughs> I can't even laugh. It's like so bad. <laughs> I, I swear I don't smoke a pack of Marlboro Reds a day. I swear to God. It's like just ramps up at the weekend. And so I just, uh, you're the only one up here, but I'm just so proud of our worship team. And I wish they were still here, but they did a good job transitioning off. They sacrificed time and go to practice. They worked hard and wrote a song, which is, we didn't ask that. They just, it was in their heart. And they perfect their skill. Like they don't just, like show up on Sunday at nine and start playing. They actually practice, and but more importantly, they they bring a heart of worship. And every week, I'm just blown away. And I know they're not in here, but can we just one more time give it up for our worship team? On a different note, my my life is marked by um, some very specific moments as a teenager where I went to a student camp or a winter retreat, and it just got rocked and wrecked by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's one of the reasons we prioritize this as a church, students on Tuesdays and winter retreats, summer summer camps and smug nights because we want to get your children, your teenagers in an environment where the presence of God shows up in such a profound way they'll never forget it because they're going to go to college and they're going to work around people who are going to say that God isn't who he says he is and they're going to have a lot of insight and wisdom and it's going to cause a lot of questions but the one thing that they'll never question is an experience they had where the Holy Spirit rocked their life and so two things for you on your way out we've got dog tags outside and they have the names of a student on it this one has William and I want to encourage you Surprise that fit over my fat head. I want to encourage you to stop by and pick one up, but don't just wear it, but pray for them next weekend when they're on the retreat. 
Pray that God will wreck their life for the ordinary. Pray that they will discover destiny in such a way that the gates of hell cannot strip it away from them. Pray that no matter what goes on through high school and college, that they'll keep their eyes fixed on the straight and narrow, never to turn to the right or the left. I'm tired of hearing a generation saying, yeah, I have my college days and got off the path. You know, it doesn't have to be that way. You don't have to go into adulthood with baggage and issues and junk like that. You might have some issues, but it has to be the same issues. You, we are raising a generation at the movement church who's going to stay committed to what God is doing in their life. And listen, can I just tell you, it won't happen if we don't also rally behind them with prayer. You're sitting here because somebody prayed for you. Even if you don't know who it was, it was probably us because we've been praying for you. So I want to pray for this generation. So grab a dog tag, and if we run out, we'll give you the text to the name of a student. It doesn't matter. I want us praying like crazy that God just, just obliterates their life for, the, for just the extraordinary. Amen? One more thing. We got three students who show up at a Bible club that one of our kids started on his public school campus that decided to, wanted to go to this retreat, and they can only pay 100 bucks of the 350 bucks. So some of you can help with that. That'd be great. At the end of the service, we'll give you an opportunity to be faithful and return the tithe and bring the offerings. But for 700 bucks, we can get three kids who couldn't make it there. There, You don't have to, but we'll pray for your soul. And uh, maybe you can only do 10 bucks. That's fine. doesn't matter. We're going to give towards it. So I just, we will never let money be a reason a kid doesn't go. Even if we can't pay the bills of the school because you don't want to give towards it. It's fine. It's not a big deal. We'll, I'm a little salty today. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm already sweating too. Uh, <laughs> is that enough? Does that make sense? Can we do that? Can we be that church? Some of you can write a check in and be done. Like, you don't have a checkbook, but you can push back. You get the idea. Let's just get some kids there. This year, we're, we're rallying around the younger generation and uh, unashamedly. And we're going to change statistics. Amen? And those are your kids. And if they're not your kids, what a blessing that you have to be able to inspire and impact a kid that's not your own. You don't have to pay for their wedding or their college. You just get to help their life discover destiny. <laughs> Y'all pray for me. Y'all can tell what I'm thinking about right now. <laughs> I, can't, I can't laugh. <laughs> Oh, we're in a series called Thirsty. Everyone say thirsty. We say it every week because repetition sets in. And you have a spirit within you. And the spirit is your heart. Not the organ that beats and pumps blood through your body, but like the command center. Megan did an amazing job preaching about this last week. If you missed it, then, man, you got to go back and listen or watch. And, and this spirit is formed and being formed by your choices and your experiences. And it's driving you forward. And... And if your spirit has been formed and is being formed and you are a follower of Jesus, you are given a new life in Christ, but the remainder of your days on earth are about a spiritual transformation of your spirit because your spirit is informing everything that you do as a person. So when Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst, everyone say thirst, for righteousness, they shall be satisfied or filled. He was saying, you don't have to pursue my plan for your life. You can pursue your plan for your life, but it will not lead to fulfillment. 
the only thing that will lead to fulfillment in your life, a life of satisfaction, of completion, is when your spirit is hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Listen, righteousness is not what you want it to be. Righteousness is what God says it is. It means that I'm walking in right standing with him. Are you with me? So my kids, when they live in my house under my roof, we have a standard for our home. And if they decide to do things outside the standard, there are consequences. And if they're old enough, that consequence might be, hey, it was a good time, but get out of my house. Because there is a standard for living here. Now, aren't you glad I'm not God? God has a standard for righteousness, and he says, man, you want to walk in this path because it leads to your flourishing. But if you don't walk in this path, you'll still live you still make it to heaven if you're a follower of Jesus, but you're going to experience more pain, heartache, headache than you have to. Are you with me? So Jesus said, get a little thirsty. We talked about the six dimensions of the body. All of us have this. It's not a creepy term, but this is... These things make us up. The spirit is our heart, the, the will to do. It's where choice is formed. Then we have our mind, which is two parts, both thoughts and feelings. And you never have a thought without a feeling. You never have a feeling that doesn't come from a thought. You, can, you can't choose every thought you think, but you can choose what thoughts you meditate on, and you can choose what thoughts you allow. You, you can't choose what feelings you have. You can choose how they lead you. Some, you can actually choose what feelings you have. Sometimes they elicit or pop up, but you choose how they steer your life. Are you with me? Your soul is the operating software that puts all the pieces together. It works in touch with all of these components, and it's either moving towards health or away from it based upon how you are feeding your spirit, your thoughts, and your feelings. The body is the manifestation of the dimension of who you are. You have a spirit within you, but we see a body. This doesn't, that doesn't sound creepy. You get this, right? We can, I don't know if y'all know, we can see you right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can see you right now. And this has desires. And this is where our choices manifest. And the sixth dimension we'll talk about next week is our social construct, our context, which is a major part of who you are because you need a social context to be known and to know others. Are you with me? Today I want to talk about the body. As we all prepare to shove too much food into our body, for the Super Bowl party you're going to be a part of. Let's pray and we'll dive in and I'm going to crush our time maps so y'all can get out of here and go to your parties. God, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. We thank you that your presence is already here. We thank you that whoever and wherever you're watching on the other side of the camera, we thank you that, God, you're, you're moving there too. We thank you for what you're doing in the family room, that you're uniting our lives and you're stirring our hearts and our minds. And God, you're drawing us towards your purpose and plan for our life. So God, right now, we just give you honor and praise and we give you permission to do what you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Well, this series is about the process of forming our inner life because a lot of times what we want to do is change our behavior thinking that's changing who we are but you can change your behavior and it won't stick unless the inner life is actually being changed and transformed. And if you think that being transformed into the likeness of Jesus or into righteousness will happen by sheer will alone, you are kidding yourself. 
But the whole purpose of this series is about changing the inner person so that our outer world takes on the character of Jesus. When I adjust and I, I submit my feelings and my thoughts and my spirit to the plans and purposes of the spirit and the nature of God, it changes what's going on inside of me. I'm being formed internally into the character and the nature of Jesus, and as a result, what happens on the external will also change. That's why the scripture talks about having the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can have self-control right now in the moment, but if it's not coming from a place internally of wanting to please God, then the next moment you're not going to have self-control. So you can't just change the external hope I don't know what that was. Hoping to change the internal, we start internally, and as a result, that's why the scripture calls it the fruit, the produce of my life, is that now the external is mirroring what Jesus is doing on the internal. The problem is this body is a major roadblock. Or Megan calls this body a distraction all the time, but that's a different conversation. We have to train it to refrain from what is evil. Now, I want to talk theologically for a moment. You don't have to agree with me, but you're wrong. I love you. You were born into a human body. Yes? You were born a sinner. Contrary to this wild belief that is circulating right now, people are not born inherently good. If we were born inherently good, then our bodies would be like Benjamin Button and would get better with life. If evolution is accurate and things improve over time, then why does our body slowly start to break? Can I get an amen? Left to your own proclivities, you aren't going to make great choices. You're going to slowly make poor choices. And we know that this is real because you don't have to teach a child how to take toys away from their friend. You have to teach a child how to share toys with their friend. So this body, we are born inherently evil. And we need a savior. That's why Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, but the scary part about our body is that it can run ahead of your good intentions and in the opposite direction. You can want to do something that you don't actually do. Have you ever been there? Yeah. Thank you for one of you raising your hand. Yeah. Have you ever been at the place where you see a donut and you say, I'm not going to eat the donut and it just looks really good. I was at a conference last week, and they brought these cronuts. Croissant donuts. And they had a maple bacon one. They had a caramel bourbon. It didn't even matter if you had put, like, bird feathers on it. It was like Jesus on a plate. And I was looked at it three times, and I walked past, and I finally, I need one. And then I got three, and that was awesome. <laughs> So our, our spirit can want to do what's right and our body can run in the opposite direction. And your body, listen to me, is your primary source 
of gratification. Now, you will have thoughts and feelings that will be powerful, but it's the cravings and the desires of your body that long to be satisfied. Are you with me? Our body is the chief instrument for us getting what we want. That's why the scripture says in Romans 8, 5, and 6, for those who live according to the flesh, the body, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, and he's talking about the spirit of God here, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. So pause for a moment. Let the word of God ring true in your heart. Why would any of us want to live a life that is not full of life and peace? So you want this for you. You want a life where every dimension is aligned with the spirit and the nature of God. The challenging part is that my body is potential energy for either good or bad. My, my body is potential energy for either good or bad. So just kind of as an illustration, I don't know if you guys have ever seen one of these before. How many of you know how many miles of gas your car can go on zero? Anyone in here? Raise your hand. Yeah, you're my people. You are my people. I've probably called Joe three times. Hey, you need to bring me some gas, buddy. I've got like 72 of these in my house. So I've got a, a bowl over there that's empty, and then I've got like some gasoline here that really has some great potential. It's like a potential. Should we just spell some words here? Let's just see what happens. And so if you think about this, this gasoline by itself, it can't really do anything. It, it, it's, it's, it's energy, but it needs something to help it actually turn into some fuel. And so I know we're at a school, but we got permission from the school district. And so if, hopefully I don't drop this. Let me see. Let's just see what happens. So we've got some potential here. I've got a flame and I've got fuel. Are y'all with me right now? Anybody, who's excited right now? Y'all are like, all the guys are like, this is my dream. I love this church. He's burning things. This is awesome. Maybe he'll cuss again. It'll be 10 out of 10. So there is so much that can happen. This is potential. This is potential. But nothing amazing or terrifying is going to take place unless my body chooses to put this flame to the actual fuel so my body is energy in the making. Are you with me? It's just ginger ale, by the way. It's not really gas. You're like, no! No! Like, I'm going to light a school on fire, people. I thought about it, but that's not important. <clears throat> it's potential energy. <clears throat> Listen to me. And you have the freedom to liberate the energy if you use your body. And here's the scary part. Your body is the only body whose energy is accessible to your satisfaction. No one else. Now, they might be able to please you in one way or the other, but you are the only one who has power over your body. Are you with me? All right. Meaning that your body is the primary place of your dominion 
and your responsibility. So what we do in this life is we slowly begin to build my world with my preferences, with my desires, with my delights. I'm creating my dominion. Another word you could use is I am building my kingdom. The problem is, look at me in the eyes, the problem is my kingdom does not naturally lead to my flourishing. My kingdom that I've lived a life, and the older you get, the more challenging this is. The younger you are, the less preferences you have because you haven't lived as long. The older you get, have you ever noticed when you go eat dinner with your grandparents, it's always the same restaurant? Yes. And if you always eat at the same restaurant, your grandparents in disguise. Are you with me? Why? Because I've found my preferences. I know what I order and it's going to taste like I want it to taste. Why do more people go to Starbucks than to mom and pop coffee shops? Because they know I'm going to get the drink that I want when I want it for the price. And I'm going to get my stars and use my reward system. So we build our kingdom based upon what I desire, what my preferences are, and what I want in this life. The problem is my desires don't always lead to my flourishing. Take, for instance, our thoughts. Now, people and scientists, therapists believe that we have anywhere between six, and one study I saw said 60,000 thoughts a day. So let's just say it's 10,000 thoughts a day that you or I have any given day. And therapists, psychologists have discovered that they believe on average 80% of those thoughts lean towards the negative. And you get that. You feel it instantly. You, most people don't know your thoughts. It's like the dust that we sweep around the corner. But our thoughts tend to lean towards the negative. And if left unchecked, our negative thoughts and feelings fuel desires which now begin to poison my choices. Are y'all tracking today? Take, for instance, sin. You know, we can talk about aligning our life with the spirit and the nature of God because we want to walk victoriously and live courageously and accomplish our destiny, but we can't talk about living courageously and walking victoriously and flourishing if we don't talk about the power of sin. No sin can happen without temptation. It can't. And the problem is, temptation is the inclination to do what is wrong. And you are tempted not by your heritage, not by your ethnicity, not by your economic status. Listen to me. You are tempted by your desires. You know how I know that? Because the word of God says that. James chapter 1, 14 says this, but each person is tempted, look at this, when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. When he is lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, 
brings forth death. And these desires, these inclinations primarily reside in your body parts. You tracking this morning? Can you see how it's so crucial that we allow a transformation to take place in our bodies as much as in our spirit and in our mind? Your desires can move your body into action contrary to your intentions. Bless you. That sounded like it hurt. He's going to sound like me or she is tomorrow. So your body can move you into action. Listen to me. Contrary to your intentions. Let me say that again. Your body can move you into action contrary to your intentions. Have you ever said the phrase, I just lost my temper? How can, you mean you don't stay calm, cool, and collective in every scenario and act perfectly like an angel? Have you ever been the person who just, quote, unquote, lost your temper? Something happened and like rage ignited and you're like, I'm going to light this fire right now in your face. That's horrible. I'm judging you right now. What am I saying? That rage took over reason. That the anger inside took over what my spirit knows is the best thing to do. When someone cuts you off in traffic and you're instantly angry and want to give the one finger wave and speed up next to them and look at them as if your look is going to change their life forever. Anybody else a lesson teacher? Like, I'm going to get in front of you and slow down, buddy. I don't have an anger issue, I promise. (laughs) What happened? Your body moved into action contrary to your intentions. Because if we were to sit down over coffee and I'd say, do you want to be an angry person who flips off people and gets road rage? You'd say, no. But our body, left to our own desires, builds my own kingdom based on my preferences. And unintentionally, it will poison my choices. You ever said the phrase to somebody, hey, you need to think before you speak? Have you ever been the person? You're in an argument with your spouse or with your kids, and you just get so heated. Isn't it crazy how the people closest to you know how to say just the right thing? And you're like, I want to beat you up with a two-by-four. Man, I sound so angry. I need some Jesus in my life. And then you just say that thing, and it's almost like you can see it. And you kind of, in your mind, you're like, but it's too late. Your body moved into action ahead of your intentions. You ever had the statement, I just couldn't control myself? Meaning my my desires were stronger than my will. Caught up in rage, lust, resentment, self-righteousness, the body's in charge. The problem is, 
It's okay if this is a vacation destination every once in a while as a reminder that I'm human and God's doing a work on me. The problem is when we take up residence in the place where my body is making choices. And remember, we're building a kingdom. Listen to me. I'm not asking questions as a statement. You are building a kingdom. You're either building your kingdom. Isn't it interesting how God refers to his family as a kingdom? Or you're building his kingdom. Now, if you're here and you're not a believer, you say, I don't know if I'm where I'm at with this whole Jesus thing. This is, you get a hall pass on this. But this is an inside peek into what it means to be a Christian. Because to be a Christian means something, which is so much more than sitting in this comfortable seat today. In fact, God loves that you're here. It matters to him. But what he cares more about is what's happening internally and how it affects the external. So you're building a kingdom. Whether you want to build a kingdom or not, you're building a kingdom. And it's okay when you have the moments. It's okay. You're, you're, you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're going to have the moments where my body gets ahead of my intentions, but I can't take up residency there. It's got to be a vacation destination where I come home. I'm not choosing to go there. Let me suggest that. But I, you know, I, I, got, I had a weak moment, and I was there, and I didn't want to stay there, so I, I got repented before the Lord, and I'm, I'm doing some work internally so that God can change the external. So where do we go from here? It's the big question. Well, Christian, I want to help you with the first step, and then I'm going to give you a couple of tools. Where do we go, and how do we move forward? Because we, we can acknowledge, I think most of us would acknowledge that, that we want a life that is set, our mind is set on the spirit of God, not on the flesh, because that is a life of peace and of life. Like Jesus said, I came to give you life and life more abundantly. So Christian, listen to me. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, listen to me. This is one precursor you need before we go into tools and any how-tos. And that precursor is this. Your body is not your property. Your body is not your property. Contrary to what culture would tell you, you may have heard it said, my body, my choice, but that ain't biblical. And we'll talk about the right to life and the sanctity of life and abortion in the upcoming months. I promise you. As a church, we believe in the sanctity of life and that life begins at conception. And therefore, to have an abortion is wrong. And what I'm not talking about is what has happened yesterday or before, but I'm talking about moving forward. We'll have a whole series about that. Just so cool your jets, we'll get there. But your body is not your, your, your choice. It's, your body is not your property. If you're a follower of Jesus, then everything that we are belongs to him. And you don't have to agree. But let me tell you what Paul said in the New Testament. He said, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Let's have Brooks coming up here. Everybody's getting a little edgy right now. I can feel it. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. Look at this. What does it say? To present your, your bodies. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Look at this. This is the meaning of life. This is the meaning of life. This isn't the specificity of your destiny. Listen to me. This is the meaning of life. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
The meaning of life is that every aspect of who I am is an act of worship to God. And it is a sacrifice. That is what worship is. Worship is not just songs. It is a sacrifice. All through the New Testament and the Old Testament, it's called a sacrifice of praise. And that's what it means to align my life with it. It's not my body. Jesus said, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Which means I have a responsibility to steward this body. To take care of it. To manage and mitigate its desires in contrast to what the word of God tells me. My body will tell me that my the desires of lust want to be fulfilled, be fulfilled because it feels good. But the Spirit of God says if it's not your wife, it does not lead to your flourishing, Carrie. My body says I want to eat what I want to eat, drink what I want to drink, numb out when I feel angry or upset or stressed. And the Word of God says, oh, come to me all ye who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. I build my kingdom or I'm building his kingdom. There's not a middle ground here. You can't have it both ways. And a life of jumping from kingdom to kingdom, being spiritually bipolar, will not lead to your flourishing because you're fooling yourself, you're choosing your kingdom. What you've done is forced God into your image. And you said, okay, God, no, this part of it is what I'll accept, and I'm going to live here with this peace. And God says, man, I appreciate the cute wink towards me, but that is not my plan for you. That is not righteousness. That is your kingdom. Are y'all tracking? I'm a steward of this body, but it's his. So if I'm using substance or shopping or binging, to numb and or cope, then the body is winning. If I'm sexually active with someone other than my spouse, my wife, then my body is winning. Even if that's sexually active by cruising through a website when nobody else is around. A website that I have no business being on because that's not my spouse. Jesus said, you've heard it said, you shall not commit adultery, but I would say if you look lustfully at a woman, you've committed adultery in your spirit and your spirit is being formed by your choices and your experience, therefore fueling your thoughts and your feelings, which in turn are fueling the desires of your body. Are you with me? I know it's not easy. I don't, if I sound angry, it's because I'm angry at the enemy. <clears throat> if you can <clears throat> continuously speak without thinking, the body is winning. If we show no moderation with our diet, the body is winning. I know this is harsh. Perfection is not the goal. Jesus said, be perfect as I am perfect because he was setting himself as the standard. Anything less, then it would be too easy to justify everything we want. Perfection is not the goal. You will never be perfect. Megan's darn near close, but she's not perfect. Perfection is in the goal. Let me pause here. 10 out of 10, told you. 
Let me pause here because I know right now that the Holy Spirit is at work with a spirit of conviction, which means that Satan, who roams the earth like a roaring lion, is simultaneously at work whispering the, the voice of condemnation. Condemnation says you've never been able to control your body and you never will. This is just as good as it gets. It is who you are. Look at me in the eyes. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Which means you need to know the word of God. And he says he's made you a new creation. And your latter days are going to be better than your former days. So what I'm not trying to do with my intensity is to tell you you're failing Please listen to me and hear this. The reason I'm intense is because I want you to get this. I want you to get it so that you walk in a life of flourishing. So what do you need in your life to make this happen? Number one, you need accountability. Sheer will alone will never, ever help you walk in spiritual transformation. You can't do it alone. That's why God built his kingdom, which is called, say it again, Megan. Say it a little louder. Say it a little louder. Can everybody say it together? His kingdom is called the church. Because you need somebody else who says, it's okay, bro. I got you. You need me to text you every day? I'll text you every day. You need a phone call Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays? I got you, bro. That's why we do connect groups. So you're not alone, because you can hide in a room like this, and you can, hide, you can try to hide with a smaller group of people, but at the movement church, they're going to call you on your stuff. <laughs> he calls it a kingdom of God for a reason, and the anti it's, it's the antidote to building your kingdom. So let me give you two little small sub-tips. Be here on Sunday and be in a group. You need consistency, you need church on Sundays, and you need a group. Number two, you need denial. You gotta practice denying your flesh what it wants with accountability. That's why when we begin a season, we start with seven days of prayer and fasting. And you fast something that you don't think you can live without. You're telling your body, no, I am not mastered by my desires. I have one master, and his name is King Jesus. But if you try this denial thing and you don't tell somebody that you're accountable to, that's baloney. You're fooling yourself. And you're choosing to stay in your kingdom. Are y'all with me? That was really good. That one was for somebody in here. Number three, you need grace. Not just in a judicial, judicial sense. Let me explain what that means. We find out through Romans and Galatians that it is by faith through grace that we are saved, not by works that any man can boast. So there's nothing you can do to earn the love and the gift of grace from Jesus. Listen to me, which means there's nothing you can do to lose the love and the gift of grace from Jesus. It is his grace. And in a judicial sense, what the scripture is saying is Jesus' grace has paid the consequence for my sin. 
So if I was to stand before a judge guilty of murder and somebody came in and said, Your Honor, I'll take his punishment, let Carrie go free, then I am receiving the judicial sense of grace from somebody who was the sacrifice for me. That's what Jesus did for your sin and for me. But what we're talking about here is not just grace in the judicial sense, but grace in the supernatural power sense. That God's given you the grace and the power and the strength to walk through this life and experience transformation in every dimension of your life. You are not strong enough on your own to do it. You need accountability, but you need to know that God's given you the grace for it. He's given you the grace to overcome it. That's why the enemy tries to keep you isolated, saying this is as good as it gets. You're never going to get better. You're never going to move on. No, no, no. That's a lie from the pit of hell. God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. Let me say it again. God's grace is sufficient for you. You need God's grace. Paul said to walk in a newness of life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead gives us grace to walk in a newness of life. And lastly, you got to replace as the body matures, it takes on the inner life, which means that I've got to slowly allow the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life as of being transformed to replace my desires with godly ones. You need accountability. You need to deny yourself. You need God's grace, and you've got to replace. Turn to your neighbor and say, you've got to replace. Turn to your second choice say, you've got to replace. Is this making sense? Can, can, you, can you see yourself in this message somewhere today? Me too. Just show of hands from some honest people. How many of you are just currently maybe struggling to not just give in to some of the desires of your body? Raise, raise your hands. Thank you for honest people. The rest of you are liars. I should think before I speak. <laughs> I want to pray for us. And I don't want to just do a prayer of platitude and, well, this is how we close services so we can transition and get the band up here so we can make sure they're playing when we're done and dismiss you and you can go get your chicken wings. Sometimes I'm just so tired of all that stuff because if we leave here not allowing the Holy Spirit to just wreck us on the inside, then we're going to stay in the same cycles of pain and hurt and heartache. I don't want that for you and you don't want that for you. Can we pray now? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I just thank you that you're here. God, we just thank you that you're doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. God, we're weak at times. Our desires sometimes just seem stronger than the spirit. Sometimes the desires are fueled by those thoughts and feelings that just seem so challenging to control and get a hold of. But God, we just thank you that you have given us a group of people called the church that we don't have to go through this life alone, but we can walk through it with brothers and sisters who inspire and encourage. And God, we thank you that it doesn't have to happen in our own strength, but God, you've given us strength. Like Paul said, three times I asked the Lord to take this from me, and he said, no, my strength comes into its own in your weakness. He said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, and God, we thank you that is your word for us today. So Father, I just pray you give us the strength, but most importantly, God, give us eyes to see the things that we need to adjust so that we can walk in newness of life today.
In Jesus' mighty and precious name, I pray. And everybody said, amen. And let me talk to some of you who need to begin the journey with Jesus. You can try all this, but if you don't have Jesus in your life, it's just going to be like a self-help book. And you're going to unintentionally build your own kingdom, and it's not going to lead to life and peace. But when you start with Jesus, His grace is sufficient. You don't have to be a member of the church. You don't have to eradicate your past. But you do have to have a moment where you say yes to who He is. And I'm going to give you a chance to do just that. Right where you're seated in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper, in just a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. I want to challenge you to pray that with me. One more time, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody moving, nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed that prayer, you've never begun that journey, today's your day. When I pray, just make this prayer your own with all the faith that you can muster. Just say, dear God, I know that you love me, that you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect, but would you forgive me? Now just make this statement your own. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Heads still bowed, eyes still closed, nobody looking around. If you're here and you pray that prayer, would you do me a favor? It's the reason I exist. In a moment, I'm gonna count to three, and if that was you, just put your hand up and put it right back down. You're saying, Pastor Kerry, today, Super Bowl Sunday, 2024, I started the journey with Jesus. If that's you, on the count of three, ready? One, two, three. Put your hands up right now. Wow, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Awesome, awesome, awesome. God, we just thank you for what you're doing right here in this place. We thank you that you are doing exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine. And God, we have a great expectation and a great hope that you're going to move even beyond what we could imagine, beyond what we could see, God. We're believing that you're going to take us from glory to glory. God, we thank you that you're not done with us, that you don't love us and leave us. But God, we thank you, God, that you're taking us into the greatest seasons of our life. We give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, everybody said, can we give a hand clap for the men and women who prayed that prayer? What a message. Hey, if you just prayed that prayer, connect with us by texting Jesus to 949-267-3242. And if you're local to Orange County, be sure to check us out on Sundays. You can get all the information at theocmovement.com.